Welcome to our podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Voss. I think it's safe to say that we all enjoy new things. But what does it mean when the Lord, the one whom we sometimes refer to as the Ancient of Days, tells us that he's doing something new? That's what we set out to discover in today's sermon. Our sermon today is based on Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. Our message is entitled, Your God is Doing a New Thing. May God bless you as you hear and take to heart the truths of his holy word. Our first reading and the words that will serve as our sermon text today, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. This is what the Lord says, who makes a road through the sea and a path through mighty waters, who brings out the chariot and the horses, the army and the strong warrior. They will all lie down together. They will not get up. They are extinguished. Like a wick, they go out. Do not remember the former things. Do not keep thinking about ancient things. Watch. I am about to do a new thing. Now it will spring up. Don't you know about it? Indeed, I will make a road in the wilderness. In the wasteland, I will make rivers. The wild animals, the jackals and ostriches will honor me because I am providing water in the wilderness, rivers in a parched wasteland. Water for my chosen people to drink. This people that I form for myself will declare my praise. Surely it is God who saves us. We will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord is our stronghold and our sure defense. He will be our Savior. Amen. My dear family in Christ, I think it's safe to say that we all like new things, right? A new outfit, a pair of new shoes, a new house, a new job, a new car. And even if you don't have a new car, you can always go to the store and buy one of those air fresheners that has the new car scent and pretend, right? New things. Seems like there's always something new, something different, something bigger and better. Maybe it's the, the latest version of the iPhone. Maybe it's the latest and greatest kitchen gadget that you just have to have. Think about the joy that, that young parents have when their children do something for the very first time, uh, their first word, their first step, their first day of kindergarten. We love new things. Did you catch your Lord's promise in this morning's text from Isaiah 43? I am about to do a new thing. What new thing could God possibly be talking about, especially given the fact that these words that he speaks were spoken, what, about 2,700 years ago? Let's set out to answer those questions today on the basis of these words of our text. And dear believer in Christ, let me comfort and assure you that your God 
is doing a new thing. Now, in order for this text to be properly understood, we need to get a hold of the setting in which these words were spoken. This is a central teaching of God's holy word. That those who love and trust in him, who believe the gospel's message that God loved the world and gave his son to be our savior, have eternal life. But if people reject his salvation and reject his amazing grace, well, all that's left is judgment and condemnation. That's the message that the Lord had commissioned his prophet, his Old Testament pastor, Isaiah, to go and share with the people of Israel, God's chosen people. Because, see, God's chosen people had grown unfaithful to him. It had reached a disastrous level in the northern kingdom of Israel, and the Assyrians came and and toppled that kingdom in 722 about the time of Isaiah. And down in the southern kingdom of Judah, God's people kept forsaking him and chasing after mere idols who could never save. And God loved his people and wanted to bring them back to him in repentant faith. And so he warns them through the prophet Isaiah that if they continued down this treacherous path, that he would call for the Babylonians to come and conquer them, who would then carry them off into exile in Babylon. That's the sum and substance of the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah. That's not very happy news, is it? You're going to be exiled to a foreign land. You're going to have to leave your home and the life that you know behind and go somewhere else. We see that being lived out in our world right now, don't we? As millions of people are fleeing from war-torn Ukraine and heading for borders into foreign lands, leaving their old life behind Not sure what to expect in the coming days and months and years. Imagine that. We see it played out on the news, but imagine living that. Imagine how uncertain all of that would be. That's what the people of Israel may have been feeling when they heard this warning from the Lord. And so, in order to assure them, the Lord promises them that after a time, after they had come to repentance in their exile in Babylon, he would deliver them. And just in case that was too big of a promise for them to fully grasp and believe, the Lord reminds his people of what he had done for their ancestors in the past. And that's the first two verses of this text. He says, This is what the Lord says, who makes a road through the sea and a path through mighty waters, who brings out the chariot and the horses, the army and the strong warrior. They will all lie down together. They will not get up. They are extinguished like a wick. They go out. You know who that's referring to, right? The Lord here is taking us back to Exodus chapter 14, that famous parting of the Red Sea. Why did that happen? 
Well, you remember that the Egyptians cruelly enslaved God's people in Egypt for 430 years they labored there. And when the Lord went and and had Moses tell Pharaoh to let his people go, Pharaoh refused. And, And so the Lord sent that series of devastating plagues on the land. And then there was that tenth and final plague, the plague on the firstborn. And after that lamb's blood had been painted on the door frames of the homes of the people of Israel, and after the angel of death passed over their homes but struck down the firstborn in every household in Egypt, then Pharaoh told the Israelites, get out. And they did. In haste, they took up their exodus and left the land of Egypt and left their life of slavery behind And then Pharaoh changed his mind. And he rounded up his army and he gave chase after the people of Israel. And suddenly, God's people found themselves standing there at the shores of the Red Sea, pinned against it, as though their backs were pinned against the wall with the Red Sea on one side and the pursuing Egyptian army on the other. So, what did God do? He did the impossible. He parted the waters and he allowed his people to cross over on dry land through the Red Sea and the Egyptian army chased in after them and just then God caused the waters of the Red Sea to collapse. It consumed the Egyptian army. He extinguished them, we're told, like a wick. As simply as someone blows out a candle, the Lord extinguished this threat from his people. And now the Jews would need to fear the Egyptians as as little as you would fear a candle's wick after it's been put out. The people of Israel literally did nothing. The Lord did it all. God delivered his people with his mighty arm. That's what God did for his people. And that's what he called on the Jews to remember year after year as they gathered together at the Lord's decree and celebrated the Passover. They remembered his mighty deliverance. But notice in verse 18 what God's message to his people is now. He says, do not remember the former things. Do not keep thinking about ancient things. What? He reminds them of all that he did for them in the past and then tells them not to think about it? Well, let's understand that correctly. It's not that the Lord is asking them to blot that from their memory bank and never think about it again. That's not the case. What he is telling them is he wants them to look ahead to what he was going to do for them in the future. It would be another wonderful deliverance. Watch, he says. I'm about to do a new thing. What new thing? He would deliver his people from Babylon just like he delivered his people from Egypt. He says, I will make a road in the wilderness, in the wasteland, I will make rivers. Think of the Middle East, Babylon. Think modern-day Baghdad. God's people were trapped there in captivity in a land that was pretty much surrounded by barren desert and wilderness. 
But God would make a road, a way out. God would see to it that his people would be delivered and that they would be returned back to their homeland, back to Jerusalem after about 70 years in captivity. That was the new thing that the Lord was going to do. And it would be so marvelous that verse 20 says even the wild animals would take notice as his people made their way back home. And he he pictures it as people in the desert who are are dying of thirst, desperate for some fresh water to drink. The, The Lord says, I'm providing water in the wilderness, rivers in a parched wasteland, water for my chosen people to drink. This people that I form for myself will declare my praise. God would deliver them from their captivity in Babylon just like he delivered their ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. And you know what? That's exactly what God did. After about 70 years in the Babylonian captivity, The Lord moved the heart of King Cyrus, the king of Persia, to make a decree to allow the people of Israel to go back home once again. God promised a new thing, and God delivered. That's great, Pastor. What does that have to do with us? Friend, God didn't have this written down just because he wanted to give you a little history lesson this morning. Do you see Christ and the promise of the gospel in these verses? The deliverance that God made happen in Egypt and the deliverance, the rescue that God made happen in Babylon, those were pictures, those were sacred silhouettes, those were foreshadowing the work of Christ, our Savior. So think. When God says, I will make a road in the wilderness, think. Because there we were, stuck in a barren wasteland, a desert of sin, completely lost. And there was no GPS in all the world that could get us to heaven. So Jesus came. Jesus is the road that brings us safely to heaven. Remember what he said in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the road that leads to the promised land of heaven. God promises rivers in the dry, parched wasteland to give his people water to drink. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 4? He said this, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Look, here's what I'm saying. We don't have to be jealous of the Old Testament Jews for the way in which God heard them and rescued them, delivered them, and saved them because God wasn't just doing a new thing for them. He's doing a new thing for you right now. And in this text this morning, he's asking you, do you not know about it? I think you do. I'm pretty confident that we could go all around the pews this morning and hear stories from your personal life about times when your back was up against the Red Sea and trouble was pursuing you like never before in your life and you prayed and you cried out to God and you looked to Him for healing and help and He delivered you. He worked it all out. And in so doing, He taught you a lesson that we all need to learn and to remember and to live every single day of our lives that our help is in the name of the Lord. 
that he's our rescuer and our deliverer from every trouble. Do you realize what a wonderful new thing that is? Because the fact of the matter is that we didn't deserve his help in the least. It wasn't just an issue for Old Testament Israel. It's an issue for me and for you too. That we despise the word and will of the Lord. We fail to put our whole trust in him. We fail to love him as we ought and we fail to love our fellow human beings as we ought. And instead, we find ourselves in a love affair with the things of the world. And we pile sin on top of sin every single day. And because of our sin, we set ourselves up for disaster here and for everlasting punishment in the hereafter. And like the people of Israel, we were absolutely powerless to change the situation. The Jews couldn't set themselves free and neither could we. But believers, here's the glory. Look at our text. Look at the the one-letter word that keeps occurring again and again in verses 19 through 21. It is the word, I. The Lord says, I'm about to do a new thing. I will make a road. I will make rivers. The people that I form for myself, God has done a new thing for you. Solely because he's a good and kind, a merciful and gracious Heavenly Father, this new thing, this this wonderful redemption, the forgiveness of our sins was purchased for us when Jesus died in our place on the cross. The pain and the shame and the suffering and the death. It was all Christ for us. And the God of all grace made us his own from eternity. He chose us. He elected us to be his own. And he saw to it that in the, in the days of your life, you would be brought into contact with the gospel and he gave you the Holy Spirit so that you could agree with what God says in his word with a heart of faith and trust in it with all your might. Friend, your loving God has brought you safely through the sea of sins that otherwise would have drowned you forever and you, you are saved. I love Revelation 21.5. Where we're told, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Well, what is it that God has made new exactly? You. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You are new, washed clean with the blood of Christ, forgiven and saved. You are a child of your heavenly Father, and heaven is your home through faith in Jesus. And now what's our response? These people that I form for myself, that they may declare my praise. We proclaim God's praise with our hands, with our hearts, with our voices, we proclaim the praise of our saving God. We do that when we do what we're doing right here, right now, today. We give Him our heartfelt worship and praise. We gather to say, thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. We proclaim His praise. But it's not just here. It's out in the world, too. When we work hard at our vocation in life, 
and work faithfully, we praise our God. When we parent our children with God's word, law, and gospel, and teach them above everything else in life to know and love Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we proclaim God's praise. When we make godly choices about what we're going to do with our free time and what we're not going to do, we proclaim God's praise. When we make good decisions about what we'll let our eyes see and our ears hear, we proclaim God's praise. When we make good and godly decisions about what we allow our fingers to type out and then post on social media, then we proclaim God's praise. Whatever we do, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God, for His unending praise. I'm doing a new thing. Doing away with your sins and your guilt for Jesus' sake. That's the new thing God's doing for you. Giving you the confidence in life that you are right with God because of what Jesus Christ, your Savior, did for you. That's the new thing God is doing for you. Taking away your sinful desires and replacing them with godly impulses and godly motives. That's the new thing God's doing for you. Taking away your doubt that you will live with him forever in heaven after you die, just as he promised. That's a new thing that God is doing for you. Giving you the, the confidence that he is with you always to the very end of the age so that you can face whatever you face with a spirit of trust that God will work it all for your good. That's the new thing God's doing for you. Watch, I'm about to do a new thing. I'm well aware of the fact that the Bible and its teachings have been around for a long, long time. But they never get old. His mercies are new every single morning. The doctrines that His Word proclaims are always on the spiritual cutting edge. The things of this world always get old. Fads and trends and fashions are here for a moment before long they're so last year. But dear sinner, when you hear your God proclaiming to you your sins are all forgiven, and when you know that because Jesus lives you also will live eternally, when you believe that your Savior God is with you to the very end of the age and that all of this is a free gift from God and is yours by His grace, well, then that's a new thing that will never, ever get old. So believer, proclaim His praise today and tomorrow and forever because your God, your God, is doing a new thing. Amen.